ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wrong Think Radio. I'm your host, Aaron, broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful northern Virginia. And I'm Alan, coming to the lovely and overcast greater Seattle metropolitan area. And this is Wrong Think Radio. This is our two-hour program that we normally do live, but we're not doing it live today. You guys are going to be getting a pre-recorded version, so there's no chat to be monitoring or anything like that. But we normally go live every single Sunday from noon until 2 Eastern. Just had some conflicts in the schedule today, so we're making sure to get this out because we literally we just couldn't go without doing a show this week because so much has gone on. Most of it uh, hilarious if you've realized how to just learn to love the bomb, which I yeah. think is probably <laughs> like... Is that probably the, the, the therapeutic way to do it? Which actually, I'm not going to lie, kind of goes into one of the first things that I really want to kind of jump into with the program. Alan, you and I were having a conversation earlier this week, and one of the things that I brought up during it was you can tell that all of the derangement that came from the left over like the last five, six years, but in reality, like especially during the Trump administration was yeah. all absolutely faked. And the way that you know it is, look at how uh, people on the right are reacting at the many failures that are occurring um, under Biden and how the right wing reacts to them. We laugh about it. We make fun of it. We basically take it almost as a joyous vindication uh, which I think would be probably the best way to put it is we almost get joyed at the vindication of we told you how stupid this was. We told you how bad this guy was going to be if only you had listened or whatever, however we want to say it. And so we laugh about it because we feel vindicated, which is the opposite of what we saw with the left where they had to like go to therapy because it was so terrible. Right. I don't know. Like who goes to therapy because everything that they said was true. Because let's, uh, let's just be, question. yeah, let, let's just be honest here. It wasn't because I'm watching democracy just vaporize before my eye that no, that we know that that wasn't true. We know that that wasn't happening. Nobody, nobody actually cared about kids in cages. <laughs> we know that too. Um, yeah, you know, all, all of that, like it was all fake. And I, I know most people go, well, yeah, we know it was fake, but if you want, if you want to make sure, if you just want to check your work about how all of the crazy psychotic reactions were just totally fake and made up and were just virtue signaling for attention. It's the fact that if it was really that way, they'd be acting the way we are because Joe Biden is just it it's almost like he was a robot programmed by Trump and then put in the White House to like prove things. See, like I've had this theory about it for a long time that it sounds too crazy to be true, but it's almost it certainly feels as if in let's say 2008 there was some group of I don't know right-wing billionaires or some somebody that got together in some shadowy cabal and said, let's look at the state of the country. Went, wow, the left is really capturing all of America's institutions. Look at how they're acting under Obama. I know where this is going to go. We can't let them win. 
and went, well, how do we get through this? And they looked at each other and said, we have to go. The only way out of this is through. Let's all throw our money behind the most crazy left-wing ideas and activists and push them as far left as they can go and have them act as insane as possible and and that will blow their credibility and make it so that it will completely destroy the hold of the media on the population. It'll destroy everyone's faith in all these basically compromised institutions. And then we can kind of have – we can kind of reset back to you know normal – like you know we can then reconquer America and, and get rid of the left-wingers out of these institutions. But we have to make them go so crazy that – they blow their own credibility and expose themselves for everyone to see. It, if they weren't trying to do that, then they're, uh, then they, I almost like they wouldn't do what they've done unless it's intentional. It's almost as if they've gone so crazy and so heavy-handed that the mask on this has dropped, and it's almost as if there was a cabal of people trying to force the left to discredit itself. They couldn't do a better job than the left is doing right now. Yeah, like well, and some of this, um, some of this is is the definition of accelerationism. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a like a bunch of accelerationist billionaires got together and said, "Okay, we're going to take Donald Trump." Right. He's going to be in on this. He's going to say all of these things that the GOP. That the GOP doesn't say because they're a bunch of cowards. He's gonna he's gonna say these things. He's gonna make it into the presidency. But then we're gonna quietly fund a bunch of left wingers and media groups to go insane when he gets into office. And then we'll push them and push them and push them to go as crazy as possible. And then the that will blow the credibility of the media for everybody. Then we're gonna like quietly push this COVID thing, which is gonna destroy people's faith in academia, in science. It's gonna totally expose the left for the power-hungry control freaks that they actually are. It'll break the back of the UN. And within let's say five years, I think if we if we if we run the left wing correctly in five years, nobody will no, nobody will still think the left stands for anything good and will finally be able to have the populist uprising against them that we know we desperately need, but America's too brainwashed to deal with right now. And so it's like they had a ten, five to ten year plan and went, how can we make it so that America mentally rejects all the left wing propaganda they've been saturated with their entire lives? They couldn't do a better job than what is happening right now. It's like our current situation is indistinguishable from a scenario where a cabal of right-wingers actually runs the left and is trying to discredit it as much as possible. Right. And and a really great example of that when I, you know, made the joke about like the kids in cages and all of this, right? The yeah. the belly aching for the poor immigrants streaming across the border. Obviously, we know that there's there's a border crisis that's going on. Um and the the deflections and excuses are almost their own segment. But one of yeah. the funnier parts to to cover here is um, I hate to play the game of can you imagine if a Republican? But uh, I, ju- I do want everyone to imagine uh, what the headlines would be if Trump was sending immigrants to Guantanamo Bay. Because that's a proposal that Biden put forward. He's going to be 
you would hear people crying about how he's going to he's treating these poor Haitians like they're like they're terrorists and the gnashings of teeth over my gosh could we possibly oh it's so evil what we're doing but because it's Biden oh wait have you dropped it oh but wait wait was Biden actually doing that oh my Oh my. <laughs> I just I can't what I can't figure out is well, first of all, like does anyone actually have you seen any explanation as to why it's a bunch of Haitians coming to the United States? No. No, I have not seen that explanation because these people are also not coming from Haiti. They're coming from places in South America like Chile, where they've lived for the last couple years. And suddenly Joe Biden's president and a bunch of non-government organizations are now rounding them up and saying, we can get you across the border into America, tear up your ID cards for here, and then you can just live in America forever. Okay, so so the the reality or or at least the best the best uh, the best um, explanation is that these were refugees that were living in South America and now that now that there's relaxed border, you know, basically a big amnesty push and all this other garbage is, uh, they're going, Oh, okay. Well, we're, we're going to get a large group because, well, okay. So I guess let's ask the question. Do you think these NGOs are grabbing Haitians specifically, uh, because of the race, uh, because the race issue? I think that is certainly highly possible. But I also think it's possible that these people were already living as essentially a insular transient refugee community somewhere else. And it was a lot probably a lot easier to uproot them as a large group and community and get them north than than other people. Yeah. So but obviously what we don't have is like a disaster to point out. We don't have like a famine or I mean, anything that's probably outside of this. Are we going to lose you? No, What's happening? I, I don't think so. I can still hear you just fine. Can you hear me? Oh, Is your no. internet about to die? I feel like the great tech hub is going to take your internet away. Am I having co- connectivity issues again? You probably are, which is why you can't even hear me. Alan lives in Seattle, Washington, ladies and gentlemen, which is supposed to be a tech hub. No, it has like the most unstable budge. internet on the planet which makes no sense so we'll probably have to get him back um (laughs) which is always really funny when he can't um you know when he can't communicate and it, it it makes me sad and it makes you sad uh but yeah he's been having connectivity issues i mean this is actually something he's regularly had uh but it's definitely one of those things um that is always hilarious because you have Amazon and Microsoft located in this, in this city, but somehow the internet cuts out for like entire swaths. Like this is a normal thing that people talk about. And nobody gets mad about it. It's um, wild to me, but back to the just insanity when it comes to the border, you know, we have to sit there and, and, ask ourselves 
it was obvious, right? We we knew that there were a bunch of people uh, that are being pushed forward at the border because it's known that Joe Biden's not going to do anything. This, this basically proves that at least in some part, a lot of the policies of the last administration were working. Some of the, a lot of the policies for the last administration were working and at least somewhat stemming the tide. I know it wasn't perfect. That's certainly a thing. There are a lot of people that are border hawks, which isn't really a bad thing. Um, that absolutely would regularly point out the fact that, you know, immigration was not cut down anywhere near the amount that you would think that, you know, uh, Trump would have cut it down, especially given a lot of the rhetoric that was heard. We didn't see a border wall built. We didn't see anything like that. But here we sit. And I think it's proof positive that now that there's floods of, you know, upwards of like 15,000 people streaming across the border, it proves that even just having a stance, even just having a strong stance, even just signaling to these non-governmental organizations that we're not going to just let our border be a revolving door for anybody who wants to come over here and that there is at least some level of sovereignty that exists in the United States that that alone cuts it down. And we can't leave out the fact because we can't leave out the fact that there are a lot of non-governmental organizations, charitable organizations, what have you, that are involved in the movement of these people. Because one of the things that is getting uh, upsetting people, it's bothering them, whatever, it's the big topic that's interesting to hear it talked about now openly, but it's also neat to see the neocons and the Democrats freak out over is the discussion of demographic replacement. Now, for those of you who don't know, the concept of demographic replacement is the inevitable question is why why are Democrats specifically and some neocons so obsessed with the idea of immigration, regardless of what our you know unemployment numbers look like, regardless of what our economy looks like, the fact that we're in the middle of you know supposedly this horrifically deadly pandemic, and the idea is is the demographic replacement in the United States. So this concept goes on the idea that they bring in basically a bunch of immigrants. And all of those immigrants will vote Democrat because they were brought in by Joe Biden. And therefore, it cancels out the votes of Americans that wouldn't vote for the Democrats. There's some logic there. It's not entirely sound. Um, what I will say is anybody who wants to make the argument of actually, if you look at this you know, demographic of people, they tend to vote more conservatively. Uh, I don't care because... One of the big things that we're supposed to be supporting and one of the big things that everyone's trying to fight back on right now when it comes to politics is identity politics. So anybody who thinks that they're getting an own, you know, they're owning the libs by saying, well, actually, you know, Cubans vote more conservatively. It doesn't matter because that shouldn't be the point. The entire purpose of being against identity politics is that we aren't going to be obsessing over identity. We're supposed to be moving, you know, to a society that doesn't obsess over identity. We were doing extremely well getting away from basically that, you know, immature kiddish bullshit for a long time. But then there was a lot of value found in it, particularly when it came to the election of like Obama, 
you know, then identity had to become the hundred percent, uh, you know, and you see this reverberated everywhere and either conservatives believe that we are individuals and should be judged as individuals or conservatives are going to lean into the idea that identity is the only thing that matters and they just have to find some way to suck up to these different identities to try to get those votes. You know, they're going to argue, they're going to fight like hell to get an extra 5% of this demographic's vote and who cares at the cost of whomever. Not exactly how we want to see our politics run. Now, what's interesting in that sense of the word is getting into what is happening at the border. Whether you believe it's demographic replacement or not, there is a lot that we have to look at and cover. All right. Well, we fixed the chai comms killing the internet on Alan um, for now. For now. For now. Um, but For now. <laughs> so this is the good thing about not doing it live. Uh, although I kind of forgot we weren't live. But so going on the whole, when it comes to the NGOs, uh, sitting at the border and, and just, just all of basically when you get into the border, it has become normalized now to actually discuss demographic replacement. And I think he wasn't the first to do it, but he was the first large voice to do it. I think that that's owed to Tucker Carlson to at least have the discussion. And what's interesting when it comes to talking about demographic replacement, it's, um, what, what I think is funny about it is it's less about whether or not you believe that that's why the left is so obsessed with just bringing in everybody across the border. It's more that it starts the conversation about, and this is actually one of the things I like about new media and alternative media, is it forces people to talk about whether or not they think something is a good thing or a bad thing. And I think that this actually is where we see a lot of the progressive movement get put on its back foot. For yes. example, you know, the never Trumpers and the neocons, they just play the like, Oh, roll my eyes. What a bunch of racists. Err, because just in case anyone forgot all of those people like Bill Crystal, Jonah Goldberg, David French, they were all the racists six years ago. Yes. And now now they work for the Democrats or or they're sympathetic to the Democrats and they just repeat what Democrats say and go, they're racist. Uh, it's anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is. I think it's a worthy discussion to have, because in reality, regardless of if you think that that's really what's going on, if you regardless, if you believe the theory that the left is bringing in everybody from across the border just to basically take away um, what what Alan likes to call the heritage American vote um, to take that away. The discussion should be had because I think it's worthwhile to get the progressive movement to say whether or not they think that that would be a good thing, because by their ideology, their response is naturally going to be no uh, new immigrants who illegally cross the border are more important than any American. Notice I'm not saying white American. Right. Any American. Right. Because let's if we really want to have an honest conversation about demographic replacement, the reality of it is it actually affects white America less. 
in its initial phase. In its initial phase, it actually affects white America far less. It actually hurts uh, black Americans and Asian Americans more because it's just the natural way that these things work. These communities will integrate more into minority communities and affect things like their employment and affect things like crime with gangs and things. We see this on a regular basis. So anyway, right. it doesn't really matter. But Alan, any thoughts, I guess? Well, I think the idea of saying they're more important than any American is a very is a very salient one because they certainly seem to be more important than any American because are they going to be required to come here and get a job and do all of the things that are required of normal Americans? No, because they're illegals. Are they going to be like, they're going to be just given handouts by the government probably forever. It is utterly ludicrous. It's bad for them and bad for us. And the entire reason they're doing it is not because they at all care about normal Americans. They don't care about the Haitians. They're doing it so that we are divided and they can have a big pile of racial division that they can constantly point to to justify their grab for power. And it also will make it much more difficult for us to oppose them as a unified group. Now, the Department of Homeland Security Secretary uh, Mayorkas was on Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace. And he had yeah. something really interesting to say talking about. So now that the number I accidentally said uh, 15,000 is actually 30,000 now. 30,000 have come across the border in the Del Rio area. And, and this was his statement uh, that he had in reference to the idea of all of these illegal immigrants crossing the border. Why did you allow them in the country in the first place? Why didn't you build, forgive me, a wall? or a fence to stop them from walking in this flood of people coming across the dam. It looks like a highway that allows them to cross the Rio Grande. It is this pol- the policy of this administration. Uh, we do not agree with the building of the wall. The law provides that individuals can make a claim for humanitarian relief. That is actually one of our proudest traditions. Uh, is why did you allow them in the country in the first place? Why didn't so you the build... Question, the question being, why didn't you build a wall? Of course... You know, Chris Wallace has to say, I'm sorry for saying the words, but so the claim is it's one of our proudest traditions and that they don't, they, you know, they don't, you know, they're against building any sort of barrier on the border, which means that they're, they're against securing the border just a hundred percent. Like let's quit talking around it. If it's like, oh, we don't want to put up anything. Okay. Then you don't want to secure the border. Just say that. I don't understand why he says, oh, you know, this, this, uh, this administration is opposed to building a wall. You're opposed to securing the border. Just, I don't know, like shit or get off the pot, man. But exactly. The the point is, is uh, anyone, anyone, and that's the same. Anyone can come here. Let me, let me, let me grab that statement on its own. Let me make sure I get that. Make a claim for humanitarian Sorry. and make a claim for he provides that individuals can make a claim for humanitarian relief. That is actually one of our individuals can make a claim for humanitarian relief. Anyone. That's nice. Anyone can just show up at the border and make a claim for humanitarian relief. What does that even mean? Humanitarian relief from what? And if they make a claim... So here's here's the way this is all backdoored in. 
They show up. They have to make a claim. Well, with 30,000 people flooding across the border, they can't do it in real time. So a lot of the way this is done is they're just be like, well, they'll just come here and we'll just tell them you have to show up to this federal to this court or to this office so we can hear your claim. So and then evaluate. Do you really need to come here? Do you really need asylum? That's the way essentially the rules are written to that is how it works. But in reality, what it means is they can come in. They will be allowed in by the U.S. government. And then if they don't show up for to, to have their claim adjudicated, there's no penalty. And they just kind of disappear into the country. And then all of their children are U.S. citizens. And then forever, the Democrats can lean on those children and say, if all of your children and grandchildren don't vote Democrat, grandma might get deported because she's an illegal. They don't want these people here illegally. They want a population of illegals that they can always threaten with deportation to keep all the people that uh, to keep a bunch of other people, mostly their children who will be U.S. citizens, voting blue. Someone might say, what's what would be more important to someone? I don't know, gun rights and low taxes or grandma not getting deported by ICE. Right. They well, don't, it, it's going to be, it doesn't matter what you want. You'll vote for the party that makes sure your family is safe. Well, and here's the next question. We don't see tent cities full of immigrants. Mm-hmm. We don't see homeless shelters full of immigrants. So there's obviously governmental assistance that's occurring, Right. Obviously. So because that's that's uh, that that is kind of a debate that occurs where people go, well, well these people that, are all going to go on question. welfare. Where do these what was it? How many people? 30,000? Yes. Where do they go? Where do they go? Will we determine their status? Red well, states. <laughs> what's the, what's yeah. What's the answer from immigration services? Well, we can't put them in a facility. There's not enough space. I guess we just have to let them go and put them in U.S. cities and put them in Airbnbs and put them in housing and put them in all these uh, government housing and all these other things because there's nowhere we could possibly put them. So they just have to be placed on government assistance in various cities while we wait to figure out if they're really refugees or not. So I guess. And then when we go, is that welfare ever going to end? They go, I'm sorry, only a white supremacist would ask that question. Well, so I guess the real question has to be this then. Would it be easier for an American who's struggling, let's say because a Democrat mayor in COVID shut down their business and now they're trying to figure out how to feed their family? Would it just be easier if they just walked into Mexico, turned around and tried to come across the border in the Del Rio area? Would that actually make it easier for them to have their family taken care of at that point? Because I feel like it it would be. Now, Let's be fair. No, every NGO is going to look and say, oh, white guy. Yeah, no, we're not going to we're not going to help you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe it'll only work, you know, for for others. But it, it sounds like it would just be a lot easier for you to go down to Del Rio if you want the government to help you. If you're an American citizen, You basically have to convince the government that you're an illegal immigrant and then you'll finally get prioritized. Yeah, pretty much. And how much money is all these people going to cost us? 
forever. Yeah. Well, is there ever – and we all know it. We know what the reality is. They're never going to deport these people. There are people that have been here for a very long time awaiting their status to be decided. Do you remember when Trump was in president? And I think it was the DACA we were talking about when all the DACA recipients nonsense was going around. There yeah. were people that it was that it came out. It's like these people have came here as you know refugees and they've been here for something like 12 years. Right. For decades. And you're like, well, wait, no, that, that can't be right. And it's like, oh, it is right, because that's the point. The point is to make sure they stay here and make sure they stay illegal on the government dole. And there's really no other way to read it than that. Well, and it, it's the problem is, is it really does. It comes down to all the emotional rhetoric, too. And I'm not saying this to try to say what I don't want people to do is misinterpret this as me trying to do like the softer side of things. The reality is, is this is and you're touching on it a lot here is this is inherently unfair to the actual immigrants themselves because yeah. what what you're what you're getting to is there is no intention whatsoever to actually make these people citizens ever because you lose all of the political power if you do that right you need to have the shadow community of the illegal immigrant to use as a leverage point at all times, why would you ever get rid of that? Because Exactly. It's so useful to the Democrat Party and the left to always point to these poor, poor brown people that why would they ever get rid of it? Why would they ever solve their problems? Why would they ever make things better? Well, that's the other they, thing. They, what? they get so much power from having a poor, oppressed minority that if that they're essentially intentionally creating a poor oppressed minority that they can then complain about. Why? One of the things that everybody needs to think of right now for the next, the next two years or until, until the next election, remember one thing and one thing at all times, there is literally nothing that the Republican party can do to stop the Democrat party right now. Yeah. Literally nothing. The Democrats have the majority in the House. They have the majority in the Senate with Kamala Harris. And well, let's just be honest, the Supreme Court, I don't even know what they do anymore. Uh, but the Supreme Court, they just need to bully. Uh, they just need to bully a couple of conservatives into telling them that they won't be invited to um, their uh, uh, cocktail Grove. parties. You know, <laughs> orgy party. Yeah, like you won't be invited to the cocktail party or possibly the weird Bohemian Grove basement orgy. Uh, but point is, like, what would the Republicans do to stop it? So why won't you grant amnesty? Why haven't why? Why didn't the Democrats grant amnesty when they had a majority under Barack Obama? That's a good question. Why didn't they? And the answer is easy. They never intend to because they would lose the political football. They would yeah. lose it entirely. So this idea of, oh, if we just let them in and then, uh, no, it's not going to happen. They want to have this permanent underclass for multiple reasons. It's not just the political football. The other part of it, too, is, you know, if you don't think organizations like the Chambers of Commerce in the United States don't love illegal immigrants, are you kidding me? You have an entire class of people that you don't have to meet worker regulation for. Oh, go go yeah. ahead. Go ahead and unionize. 
Go ahead and right. unionize, Jorge. Let me know how that works when ICE shows up at your house. Yeah. You know, oh, exactly. you want to you make a workman's comp claim because you just lost your arm? Let me know how that goes when you're on your on the bus back home. What's that? You don't what's that? Let's see. What would be a good what's that, Esmeralda? You don't want to you don't want to uh, sleep with me? I guess I have to call ICE. Yeah, this, this oh, really you're con- is. Oh, you're concerned about horribly oppressive and or exploitative um, sweatshop conditions in the United States? What are you going to do about it? We can deport you at any time. This is a, essentially, as, as bad as it is for us to have all the illegals here, it's also terrible for them because the reason that they love having illegal immigrants as laborers is because they have ultimate power and control over these poor people. Yeah, these people no cannot rights. just leave because they can at any point make a call to the Democrat Party and get them deported. The Democrat Party would be happily deport a thousand illegal immigrants if, Je- if to secure an additional donation by Jeff Bezos. If a mil, if I don't know, if a millionaire wanted to run a sweatshop, he could bribe the DNC, and then suddenly the Department of Homeland Security would swing into action, and they'd be deported the next day. As a, that's how this works. It's all to set up this tyranny where no one has any choice, and they have ultimate power. Right. And it, it's well, yeah, and it, it is what's what's new you know with uh uh <laughs> it's not surprising no uh it, it and what's hilarious too is like how how many times you mm-hmm. see um how, how many times you will see the uh the the like uh this democrat or that democrat happens to have like an illegal immigrant that works for them you know or, or right. something like that because they love it you know um mm-hmm. So the interesting part is obviously a big part of what was going on was there was a picture, which, oh my God, like, let's just the best example ever of how the media is just always, always trying to find ways to manipulate people. You get a picture and then everybody goes, this is what's happening. And if you ask for context, you're the devil. And of course, I'm talking about the guy on horseback with his hand on the back of a of a of an illegal immigrant, and it's he's whipping yeah. him. How horrible! Oh my god! It's just it's just like uh, it's just like slavery. That was that just was like a slavery. quote from. Maxine it's just like Waters. slavery. As it, it's just like slavery. But if slavery was a bunch of black people trying to get onto the plantation and the plantation owner whipping them away, like, and stay out. Well, don't don't worry, Jethro. We'll get in there next time, and then we can definitely pick some cotton. You mean? <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I mean, but th- this is this is Maxine Waters. This is her statement outside the Capitol building, which I thought they were terrified to be out there because there's just constant right wingers waiting to kill them all. But this is Maxine Waters talking about the picture that was seen in the media. To be able to petition to get into the country. What the hell are we doing here? What we witness takes us back hundreds of years. What we witnessed was worse than what we witnessed in slavery. Cowboys 
what we witnessed was worse than what we witnessed in slavery. That's coming from a black woman. So you cannot, you cannot question it. So a guy on horseback grabbing an illegal immigrant worse than slavery. Which does that mean slavery wasn't that bad? Because I was I told. I guess that's what they're trying to say is that slavery was just as bad as a guy using reins near a black person. We're not going to debate whether it looked like he was whipping anybody or whatever. He wasn't. So nobody was getting whipped. Um, now, granted, they have been before. Might I remind you of what was known as uh, there's a gentleman who's celebrated by the left, especially the union members of the left, whose name is Cesar Chavez. Good old Cesar Chavez, a hero of civil rights, if I'm, you know, if I'm not wrong. So Cesar Chavez has his own holiday, uh, particularly in California. He's celebrated widely throughout the left. Uh, he's an icon for Latinos, but yeah. there's a lot of the story that people don't understand. One of the main parts is, you know, so Cesar Chavez started the whole National Farm Workers Association. They set up things when it came to, you know, um, basically he, he was a big crusader for workers' rights during strikes and things like that. He formed, at the time, he was extremely against illegal immigration because when these farm workers were going to go on strike, guess who the farmers relied upon while the workers were on strike? Who? Illegal immigrants. So the illegal immigrants were known as strike breakers. They would bring in illegal immigrants. Well, and they were welcomed into the country as open arms by the, you know, by, by Cesar Chavez and his friends who, you know, really to the, you know, they were just trying to oppose the white supremacy. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, say well, Cesar Chavez um, created what they, was known. they weren't standing in solidarity with their brown friend, with their brown brothers and sisters against the evil racist inherently racist system of america uh no they were not so what would happen is they started what were known as wet lines for those of you who don't know cesar chavez is the guy who famously coined the term wetback and in the 70s the mid 70s he started what was known as the wet lines and they were set up by uh, cesar chavez's cousin manuel And in like 1974, they paid 300 United Farm Worker members to patrol a stretch of the border between Yuma, Arizona and San Luis, Mexico. Okay. Their entire point was to intercept illegal immigrants and persuade them to turn back. Now, sometimes this persuasion involved beating the crap out of them and whipping them to make them go away. And there's actually a famous quote to 
the celebrated Cesar Chavez, which is if we can get the illegals out of California, we will win the strike overnight. Mm -hmm. They were called wet lines. They were citizen patrols, dominantly Latino farm workers in the mid 1970s. By the way, while Joe Biden was in Congress, his first years, uh, his first years as a senator from Delaware, Cesar Chavez would send patrols out and pay them to basically, through any means necessary, keep illegals from crossing the border because that was how farm farm uh, farms would basically get away with not having to deal with the United Farm Workers strikes. Yeah. Yeah. And so essentially what you're telling me is that being pro open borders and being pro immigration essentially is dancing on the grave of the achievements of Cesar Chavez. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. You know, and there's probably a lot of twisting in the wind that I'm sure that if I went and looked up different articles from like leftist newspapers, they would say, well, it's not exactly like that. It's a little bit more nuanced, but it's really not. Yeah. Because it makes it makes perfect sense. Cesar Chavez was a citizen in the United States. He had he formed a basically formed a labor union of farm workers. And what is the biggest threat to something like that? It would absolutely be illegal immigrants. Because, of course, yeah. because you never have to worry, as we said, about them unionizing. Now, I'm not a fan of labor unions, but I'm told that the Democrats are. Right. And I don't think that that's changed. Well, and at the end of the day, I think when we look at the waves of illegals coming in, all of these migrant caravans organized by large, well-funded NGO groups with ties to the Democrat Party, the where where all these people find jobs, because I've always wondered that if you're in Italy, if I go to get a job, I have to show proof of citizenship. So how is it possible that these people in the people in the country unless there were a bunch of places that were illegally allowing these illegals to work? And I bet that those million dollar businesses donate heavily to the Democrat Party. Like everything the Democrats and the left, the left wing progressives always support, it's always an argument in bad faith aimed at objectives that they are not honest about. Why do they want to? Why do they? Why do they champion open borders and allow mass immigration into the United States? Because it helps out their friends in big business, and because it further wrecks the social trust within the United States and stresses our system to a point where it will be impossible. It would be hard for us to oppose the elites. Yeah. And it's none of it is about human rights. None of it's about what's best for these Haitians. None of it's about what's best for the country. All of that is a smokescreen so that they can do things that everybody else here wouldn't want. Well, and you know, it's, it's funny because like, and of course, like the, the GOP hasn't been great about it either. This isn't a left, right issue. This is absolutely an establishment, you know, regular American issue because for a very long time, like the Bush administration wanted to push amnesty and like workers visas and all this other crazy stuff too, because it serves the same master. Large corporations absolutely want illegal immigration because it's a way for them to cut cost. Yeah. And, you know, like 
what's more important? Like, like I just said earlier, like I'm not a huge fan of unions. I, I, that, you know, I have a lot of reasons for it. One of which is it's 2021 and you have social media. Like what the hell do you need a union for? But anyway, the point is, um, I'm not a huge fan of unions, but I would rather support a union than have a porous border just because it helps the unions doesn't make it hurt me necessarily. Sure. And that's the whole idea is this does hurt. Like illegal immigration does hurt unions. Sure. But for some reason they don't fight back against it. And there's probably good reason there. Right. Because they're all, the unions are controlled by the same people that are benefiting from mass immigration. They, they don't use the unions to help the workers. Clearly by that alone, it's an admission that the unions being associated with the Democrat party are not there for the union members. If they were, they would be opposing illegal immigration. So that means that the Democrats supporting unions are supporting things that are not to the benefit of their own workers, which means that they are essentially compromised and lying to us about how much they support the American worker when their actions are not consummate with the actions that they're with what they say, what their actions are not consummate with what they say. All these unions are doing things and supporting people that are bad for their own unions, which means the union itself is essentially compromised and is nothing but a political tool to embarrass and manipulate their enemies. Now, I would be remiss because you brought up human rights. Oh, human rights. Let's not pretend like Democrats give a damn in reality about anybody, any, any of this. So you saw a picture of a guy at the border, which by the way, I just want to remind everybody who's in charge of the department of Homeland security. Um, wouldn't that be the commander in chief head of the executive branch, Joe Biden? That's Joe Biden. Strangely, all, hmm. all of this is, Oh, it was the border patrol did the thing. Well, their boss is Joe Biden. Right. That didn't change. There was no change over how the hierarchy in this country works. It would have been Donald Trump's fault two years ago. And so it's Joe Biden's fault now. So let's let's stop playing that game because they absolutely are. Of course, everything that the Border Patrol did was Trump's fault. If there were kids in cages that Obama built, it was Donald Trump's fault. Of well, course. OK, well, this again, is Joe it's Biden's all just fault. a lie to manipulate. Yeah. So this is Joe Biden's fault. What's going on at the border? It's going on because Joe Biden's in office. That that I I promise you, uh, as I as I stated earlier, it, they they're coming because Joe Biden's in office. But everyone's weeping over how horrible this was. Well, then it's Joe Biden's fault. Like you should you should hold your guy accountable. You guys are in control. Who who are you upset at? I don't understand. Who the hell are you mad at? It's your guy. Yeah. It's your party. You literally have control of all of it. So who, why are you bitching to me? I didn't vote for you. Yeah. So who, who are you mad at right now? But to that point. Yeah. It's like Joe know, Biden could have Joe Biden. If you were, if they were upset about this, Joe Biden could have just ordered them to not even engage these migrants. Why are they even there? That would be a good question. If they're not allowed they're not allowed to use whips if they're not even going to arrest these people. I mean, to a Democrat, if you want these people in the country, if that's a good thing that's supposed to be happening, then you should be demanding Joe Biden just suspend all operations by the border control. 
I think the thing is they know that if they did that, it would be such a mask-dropping moment that Republicans would, would be forced to act. They're keeping up the charade that border that their border border patrol is doing its job. I think mostly so that it doesn't radicalize the rest. Well, it's it's like they're they're trying to get everybody upset at the border patrol, but pretend like it's not being run by Joe Biden and that they're not enforcing Joe Biden's policies and that the head, the secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, wasn't picked by Joe frickin Biden. But we also yeah. know that they don't give a shit about these because Joe Biden also killed 10 random people, 10 random people in a drone yeah. strike and then lied about it. So a picture shows up on social media of a cowboy grabbing a guy and everybody says, it looks like he's whipping him. Oh, geez. And all of a sudden, they suspended the use of horseback riders. There's a whole investigation. But at the same time, you you droned a car full of a family and killed six children, and no one is being held responsible. So, right. so I'm sorry. I'm going to just assume that you don't actually care about either of these things. Well, hey, Joe Biden lost a child, too, so he knows what it's like. You know what's what's absolutely fascinating is that was 100% actually used. Like no way. you jo- you're joking, but that was 100% what? used by Jen Psaki just the other day. That that when she was asked no. about the drone strike, she said, "Well, you know, the president is aware of what it's like to lose somebody close to him. He's suffered several different types of loss." Well, were <laughs> any of those that is types almost beyond parody? Were any of those types of loss the president of the United States blowing your freaking car up just so he could act like he had a pair after he failed and lost Afghanistan to the Taliban? Because I don't think it's the same thing. In fact, I didn't want to do this because I hate talking about this. Just because many of the people involved here, it's not their fault. Joe Biden lied about the car accident that killed his wife and his daughter. So for those of you who don't know, right after Joe Biden was elected to the Senate, I believe it was 1974, there was a car accident where a truck hit his family's car. His wife was driving. It had his young daughter in it and his two sons, Bo, which is Joe Biden Jr., uh, Bo and Hunter. They were all in the car. Bo and Hunter were rushed to the hospital, and unfortunately, Joe Biden's wife and daughter died. Now, the car pulled out in front of a semi-truck. That's what happened. That was the accident. Joe Biden lied about it years ago, claiming that the person who killed his family wanted to drink his lunch. Suggesting Wait, that the, what? Suggesting that the truck driver was drunk. Okay. The daughter of the truck driver had to come out and demand a correction. Okay. The truck driver wasn't drunk, 
but Joe Biden would lie to people for sympathy, claiming that his his wife and daughter were killed by a drunk driver. That doesn't surprise. That shouldn't surprise any of us at all. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me with Joe Biden. Joe Biden's lied about like his entire life. I mean, for those of you who don't know, for all the people who wanted to talk about bone spurs with Donald Trump, Joe Biden played football all through high school and got a deferment from the draft in Vietnam for asthma. It's it is amazing that this guy is, was chosen to be president, but I think part of that has to be he's so corrupt that he is controllable. There are people that ha- people with skeletons in their closet, like Joe Biden, that have all this corruption, all this stuff that can be criticized. Those people will play ball with the establishment, or else they'll have their life ruined. And then maybe this is one of the things they hated about Trump. Trump spent a lifetime doing business deals and the worst things they could come up with were, well, he got divorced. Yeah. He, he once cheated on his wife. And I've always wondered, that's it. There's not like he once paid the mob to murder a guy or anything super shady that he's done. And I think part of it would be probably by comparison, Trump was so much less corrupt than someone like Joe Biden that they hated the fact he was in office because he couldn't be blackmailed. Yeah. Some of it because they didn't care. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Oh, no. You know? (laughs) Oh, no. I did this thing. That thing that all of you also do. You know? (laughs) Yeah. He didn't pay pay as much tax as much in taxes. Yeah. None of you pay your tax. In fact, one of the one of the funnier things that that came out is uh, for those of you who don't know, Joe Biden, a lot of his money is filed through an S corp. So he doesn't have to pay as much in taxes. But what but a we ne- stellar and upstanding citizen. But we need Donald Trump's tax returns. Now, I want you to understand something for a second there. Just so you're aware, they he has to file his he files part of his money as an S corp for protection of taxes. But he has been a senator and the vice president of the United States for 45 years. What kind of money? How how do you need like. It should be a very basic tax situation for Joe Biden because he gets a government paycheck. So what what's what's this? Where's all this money that he needs to, like, worry about tax liability? Well, I'll give you a hint. (laughs) You're like, hey, thanks for playing stupid. (laughs) Thanks for playing stupid, because, well, a lot of these people, politicians that they are not subject to insider trading laws. And they abuse that endlessly. So if they say, well, I'm about to I'm about to greenlight this new defense authorization that's going to maybe buy a bunch of, I don't know, F-35s. I'm going to call somebody and buy some Raytheon. I'm going to buy some Raytheon stock. I'm going to buy some Boeing stock. I'm going to buy some Lockheed stock. And then the next day they do they do something. Oh, no, look at that. My stock portfolio just doubled in value. How many politicians do you think bought shares in Pfizer back in 20, early 2020 or 2019? How many do you think bought shares of Moderna that are now worth a million dollars? I mean, these, com- like, these companies only get that money. So, example, the Pfizer vaccine is 
free to normal people, which means that they are charging the government for every single dose. Pfizer stands to make $40 billion this year on its vac- on its COVID-19 vaccine. Every single dime of that is from taxpayers. It's from the government. Now, I think that is global, that $40 million, but it still is from taxpayers in all these countries. How many politicians, how many politicians, let's even just say got paid off by Pfizer and said, listen, if you approve our vaccine and you mandate it to people and you, you know, like, if you do that, we'll give you a million dollars. Here's a bunch of stock in our company. When you inevitably greenlight this vaccine program, your stock will double in value. It's so easy for them to be corrupt and make money that you have to just expect that that's happening all the time. Yeah. No, I I mean, of course, like I know people say it and it's like a normal thing, but I I want people to like really kind of embrace this idea. How the hell are our politicians getting so rich? Yeah. I mean, Obama bought a $45 million mansion after he was president of the United States. Yeah. And it's one of these things. It's so easy to fact check it. Yeah. Like the Clintons are a great example. They're worth millions. But then if you go, they've only ever worked in government. Their salary was this for this long. They should only have this much money. How did they get millions? And the only conclusion is there has to be something corrupt going on. And what's crazy to me is that it's so easy to essentially allege. Let's not say prove. But you can – it's so easy to allege that in a way that is very hard to ignore – but it is ignored by a bunch of people on the left and especially the mainstream media who I can only assume are also getting the same phone calls from these companies saying, hey, we're about to pay off a bunch of politicians. Don't report on this and we'll make sure that your CEOs get some shares as well. Well, and here's here's the real question. Why what would stop us or what what's a good reason, a good rationale? For saying something like, um, okay, you want to be a member of Congress? You want to yeah. be a Senate a senator? Sure. You're not allowed to hold stock. You yeah. can't hold stock. You just can't. Because, well, that's not fair. Well, it's fair to the American people. Well, it's also called service. And I'm yeah. really, really trying to understand because th- we always hear this, right? We hear the same words. And, and I'm not. I'm not trying to be... I'm not trying to be the way it might sound. I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for here, but when the same words are used for my military service or your military service for some chuckle fuck that was in the Senate, it's extremely infuriating. The sacrifice and service given to his nation. Like, dude, seriously? I wish my sacrifice and my service looked anywhere akin to that of a United States senator. Oh, my private jet flights and my what the hell do they call those uh, where they all run off to some like tropical island on the taxpayer dime? It's a oh. word that starts with a J. I can't remember it. I'll, I'll think of it. Um, it'll it'll come to me and I'll be really upset when it does. It'll be the middle of the night tonight and I'll remember it's. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, no, but they they have like these these little parties that they go on where they'll all get together and then they'll all fly out to some, you know, tropical location where they basically get drunk and hang out. And it's probably where all these deals with like big pharma and these corporations happen. But the 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 point is like they use the same terms that they use for people in like military service. And that's the whole thing. Oh, the service that this guy gave to his country. Well, if it's service, then make it service. You don't get to hold stuff. A junket. Thank you. Yes. It's a junket. I don't know how you look. I don't know what weird Google string you had to do for that, but you found it. Um, but make it that way. Oh, okay. You're going to do service. Awesome. You don't get to, you don't get to hold stock. Because it could be a conflict of interest. Your interest needs to be in the mem- in the, the the citizens of the United States. And what's the response going to be? Well, there's all these business people who can't be senators. Oh, God, no, not that. You mean we might have to actually have our political representatives be like an electrician or a plumber or just, you know, regular citizens? Oh, Jesus, no, not that. That would be awful. If our country was run by regular people. You jest, but I'm sure that is exactly what they talk about at this at congressional junkets over caviar. Oh, well, you see it all the time. In fact, I I saw a tweet just a I think it was yesterday or the day before, which was, can anyone give me anything that Herschel Walker's done to qualify himself to run for the Senate? Herschel Walker was a running back. You know what qualifies him to run for Senate? He's old enough. He's been in the United. He's been a United States citizen long enough, um, and he lives in the place with which he's trying to represent. Because those are the only qualifications. Yet regular, and this is what bothers me: regular people say this dumb garbage. Well, what makes them qualified? Well, what what? So, so what do you think if you were a, you know, some liberal, what do you think they mean? What do you think to them makes somebody qualified to be a senator or a Congress member? Mm-hmm. Large land holdings. <laughs> Perhaps a family name that's written down in the record. No, um, it, you know what it is. It's, well, this person went to Harvard. This person's been in government. You know, this person's what the hell yeah. ever. And this person was a Navy SEAL. Oh, well, now you're just going after Dan Crenshaw. I mean, I'll go after all of them. <laughs> I mean, ser- I, seriously, though, if someone was like, this guy's a Navy SEAL. like, Okay, but that's not a qualific. That's a qualification to be a Navy SEAL. Well, yeah, but, I, don't get me wrong. This guy I, was a military officer. Okay, but th- there's still that still leaves open that that's still not a that's a proxy for success. And whenever proxies are for success are used, it often is dangerous because it becomes the actual metric for success. Someone right. that being a good congressman and senator, they should demonstrate that they could be a good congressman and senator, not simply well they they played football in college. There right. were a comedian at some point. This guy was an actor. He's got to be a good politician. <laughs> yeah, like it's just you, you you know what makes you a good politician? Winning. Yeah. Winning. 
Like, what's the qualification to be a United States senator? Win your election. Yeah, that's that is the qualification. And done. Whether or not that is selecting qualified people isn't really the question. Because that is what we use to determine who is going to be a senator. It's who is entitled to all the power and privileges is you won the election. Yeah. And well, and to like, I, I'm going to go a little perfect world here, right? So this doesn't fit reality. It fits the perfect world. The entire point of our republic is that we are represented because we don't want to have to vote all the time. Um, we We elect representatives. And they go and they represent us. And so if you say again, supposedly, well, supposedly, right, right. Well, uh, how's it been? How's it been working for us electing the quote, most qualified people Uh, also seems to be the less representative because I bet the electrician from your local town would be a better United States Senator because he would give a damn about your town. Because he would actually know what's going on with your neighbors. He isn't right. completely lost at what the hell's going on and be like, I didn't even know that people were concerned about this. Of course you wouldn't because you've been rich your whole life. Why the hell would you know? And I'm not sure. against rich people being politicians. I'm against the idea that... You have to go to some Ivy League school to be a Congress member. No, you don't. In fact, I think that's the worst thing because so far this country has become worse and worse the more and more that we have created a nobility class. Right. The founders were brilliant when they had very few requirements for anyone to be a senator or a member of Congress, it was specifically because they didn't want exactly what's going on now, which is the left convincing every dolt and moron that they need to vote against themselves by being like, well, this guy might talk right and might actually seem to be concerned about things, but he didn't go to Harvard. I'm going to vote for the Harvard one because I'm so dumb and I wouldn't want to be a senator because I'm too stupid. I need somebody smarty smarter than me to be my senator because I'm just too much of a dummy dumb and I need the government to tell me what to do. Right. And all this is a creation of the media and it is a creation of some of these people that we have to be electing them into office. At the end of the day, a lot of these congressmen and senators have been in there their entire lives and many of them are corrupt and they are abusing their office to enrich themselves and not nece- and not serve their own voters. And they only are staying in office because they have manipulated the system to such an extent along with their friends in the mainstream media and these other institutions to essentially commit voter fraud even if they're doing it through legal means such as suppressing any like sort of – by suppressing information. If you have the media suppressing information and running hit pieces on your opponent, that is voter fraud, but it essentially is legal under our system because we assume the press isn't corrupt and in on the game. But that is what is happening, 
in many places across the entire United States. And that is why everything is so hard to get done. And it is why we essentially have had a government for, let's say, at least the last few decades that is essentially operating against the will of the American people, with the entire goal being to destroy the ability of the American people to check the power of government. You know what makes me like a representative or a con- uh, or a senator the most? What is that? How much they're hated. Hmm. I like choice. Marjorie Taylor Greene because everybody I don't like hates her. Fair enough. So she must be good. I don't know a lot about her because... Uh, honestly, that's actually a pretty excellent metric anymore. Is if the people that I hate hate the, if the people that I dislike dislike this person, they're probably on my side. Now, to that same extent, being somebody who lives in Realville and understands how the government works, it sort of doesn't matter what my opinion of Marjorie Taylor Greene is because I'm never going to vote for her because I don't live in Georgia's fifth district, nor do I have any plans to. But I like her because everybody I don't like hates her so she must be doing something right it's the same thing with like matt gates matt gates represents florida i don't live in florida doesn't mean it doesn't mean i can't like the politician it's just i want people to actually like care more about who their representatives are than be like i see and i'm not against it it's just i see a lot of americans who get super excited over different members of congress and different senators you need to be that excited or that enraged over your own take owners like i like ted cruz when he doesn't say stupid things and when he doesn't rush to the media to condemn protesters because he thought CNN would be mad at him. But I like Ted Cruz, but I also give a little bit of no care about Ted Cruz because I don't live in Texas. Yeah. And I want people to care about their members of Congress because it would be better. Because then instead of caring about Ted Cruz or even donating money to Ted Cruz... Which I know for a fact a lot of senators get national money, and I'm not, okay, I'm kind of against it. I think you should only be able to take money from your state. I think it's super weird that we're okay with senators getting elected or getting funded by people who don't live in the state. That seems weird to me. Not sure why that's not corruption, but it's how the game's played right now. Point is, I want people to be mad about, uh, mad or excited or whatever about their member of Congress, about their senator, instead of playing this weird popularity game. Like, oh, who's the most popular Cong- like member of Congress? You know, like, who's the most popular in the nation? Who gives a damn? There's one district that votes for that person. I, I don't think, I think most people don't care. Yeah. I think I think all of this, oh, this popular senator, I think that's all a fabrication by the media to keep us distracted. Oh, I think most people good. don't like their congressman and senator. I think most people don't care. I think the vast majority of people probably are pretty, I think the vast majority of people are wondering, where the hell have my congressmen and senators been that allowed the Democrats to do the things that they've done? Where have they been? Do they not see the threat of the Democrat Party and its mad grabs for power? Why are where is the Republican Party, all these Republican congressmen and senators that are supposedly elected to help me, that are supposedly elected to push our agenda, do are they so dense that they can't look at what has gone on for the at least the past two years and not come to the conclusion that there is a very serious threat facing them? 
their fate should be tied with ours, but they are acting as though their fate is not tied with our fate. That the Democrats can keep winning and winning and winning and doing all these things, and somehow that's going to go okay for them? Where's the Republican congressman's and where's the governor of Texas? Shouldn't he be thinking, looking at this and going, man, this is really going to hurt my state. It's going to make it so I don't get elected again. It's going to make it so my party doesn't get elected again. If I was the GOP, I would be beating down the door to these people and screaming at them saying, you're making it harder for us to win by your inaction. You are allowing the our opposition to take more and more political control of this country and put us down this road that is going to be very, very hard for us to, to win back. And you're letting it happen. We should. They, where is the GOP pulling out all the stops and everything in the political playbook and going to every dirty trick to win because they are in an existential threat? The Democrats are an existential threat to the GOP. And the GOP is treating it as though it is not. And that is very, very confusing. I'm, I'm, I don't want to sound too cynical, but I'm almost at the point where I sort of want to see the Democrats go full bore on the BS that they've already started. And let's see some GOP senators get arrested for what, what treason or sedition or Is terrorist that, yeah. activity. I, I, Is that look, what it's going to take? I mean, they deserve it. Don't don't does, they do deserve it. they need to wake up and stop allowing these people to get easy victories. Well, here's the thing, just so people understand, there, there was a video that was released earlier this week. You can see it if you go up on our Twitter uh, or on our Facebook page, and, and it's video of people kind of meandering into the Capitol building on January 6th. Literally, and I, 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 I'm not over-exaggerating, it's people meandering around. First of all, there were a bunch of people that were fully black clad that came in first. And since the FBI has been able to identify literally everybody involved in the January 6th protest, except for these like four guys who came in initially... The supposition is those must have been the feds because an additional yeah. story that came out is uh, 100%. There's at least one person that was an oath keeper who's supposedly anyway, the oath keepers have been a joke the entire time. There's nothing threatening about the oath keepers. This whole claim that there's some big, Oh my God, this horrible organization. It's so dumb. We all know that one of them was an FBI informant. Yeah. Like the FBI admitted that one of their guy, one of the guys that was at the January sixth like deal, was an informant for the FBI. Was updating them minute by minute while going inside the Capitol building. Point is, <laughs> awesome. There's a video of a bunch of people meandering around. They're not breaking stuff. They're not fighting law enforcement. They're just meandering around the Capitol. They're not threatening anything. It's a like we always say. It's a bunch of boomer grandmas wandering around. Yeah. The Biden Department of Justice attempted to keep this video from being released as part of a trial, claiming national security. I want wow. people to understand this. 
I watched the video. There's nothing in it that I can think of as somebody who worked in military intelligence, who has worked in the national security apparatus. I don't know what legitimate purpose you would have for saying that national security is violated by watching this video. The only thing that violates, quote, national security is if you define national security as the ability for the current regime to punish its political opposition. And let me let yeah. me let me let me dive into that just a little bit deeper so people understand. If you are part of this leftist fourth estate or or sorry the cathedral is is, yeah. is the fun term. If you're part of this cathedral of leftism you do think that everybody who showed up on January 6th is a national security threat because right. they, the establishment does think that any mouthy American who calls them out on their bullshit is a national security threat because you think that you are the security of the nation. Oh my God, if we let these idiots run the place, the nation would crumble. And so... It is a national security threat only if you view it as this kills our ability to use the FBI and the other arms of law enforcement to punish our political opposition. Yeah, and, and that's how they operate. And they have no shame in doing so. And since what I'm not seeing is the GOP losing their damn minds over all of this. I want the Democrats to accelerate. I want to like, maybe it will take Ted Cruz being arrested for treason because he thought about voting against the certification of votes on January 6th. Maybe that's what it'll take for the GOP to finally go, Hey, we should probably do something that's going to stop the tyrannical oppression of Joe Biden. I, it seems as though that ha that is the case. That things have to get worse. Things have to get worse until people with legitimate political power start exercising that power. Well, and like I've said before, the only way any of this stops is when people that have a legal ability to exercise force start using that force against these people now and i say legal i mean it has to be someone with a legitimate claim to power because then the regime has to respond as though they are a legit as though they are a legitimate source of power if you and your buddies call yourselves a militia and try to stop i don't know try to stop the atf from seizing your guns that is not a you're not a legal agent of state power. That means they can crush you. If a sheriff does it, the sheriff has a legal claim to state power, and it means they cannot respond by crushing him the same way they can respond to crushing you and a regular citizen. So all of this is only going to continue until people with a legal claim to state power exercise force to stop it. It right, needs because... to be your sheriff stopping the ATF from disarming its citizens. Your your local city stopping 
the immigration services from housing a bunch of illegal immigrants in your city. Your state stopping the federal government from doing any number of things the federal government does to impinge on your civil liberties. Possibly the state, I don't know, demanding the extradition of its own citizens who are being treated to cruel and unusual punishment by the federal government, as in the case of the January 6th protesters. Well, and it needs to be someone with a legitimate claim to power exercising force against these people. And that has not yet happened to a degree that's enough that it causes a re- redirection or a shift. Right. Any, any Anything that hasn't happened any to any extent more than us just saying it's a photo op. Right. And, and this is this is a, a very salient point, specifically because. It's not like we could go protest. We can't do that anymore because if we go protest and some cop is driving by or who the hell ever and they get into a car accident, the media will say that we killed a cop. Yeah. And then Republican congressmen will rush out and go, well, I just absolutely just 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 disgusted by these people and they're they're murdering of police. And it would literally take months for us to get any of those people to stop listening to the media that they told us lies. Right. But somehow they'll rush out and be I disavow. Oh, I dis I I disavow harder than he disavowed. Yes. That that's I'm still yes, I'm still pissed about that. And rightfully yeah, so, be. because I watched so many Republicans rush out as soon as they could and find a camera and beclown themselves. And none of them should be reelected. They shouldn't be. And that includes some of your favorites. Yay. I, I think I've brought it up on the show before, but I'm going to bring it up again. Steven Crowder was interviewing Ted Cruz on his program. And it was, I say shortly after January 6th, but like it was the first interview, I believe, that Ted Cruz did with Steven Crowder after the whole January 6th deal. Crowder spent like 45 minutes debunking the claim that Brian Sicknick was killed in the protests. And then he has Ted Cruz on the program right after the very next segment. And Ted Cruz does the can talking point of the you know horrific death of that officer. I absolutely do not condone that type of behavior. Mm. And it's like, dude, you just went. And I'm sorry, but that immediately killed Ted Cruz for me because I get that he wasn't going to be listening to the program before the interview. But you're so damn stupid that this has been regular news for so long from people who don't hate you yet. Yeah. I don't know. Your aides are going, this is what the New York times said. And he goes, Oh, it must be true. Cause I'm a, I'm a complete moron. I, hmm. I don't think a single person in Texas should have ever voted for Ted Cruz after that. I think it's a good point because, and don't get me wrong. This isn't anything personal against Ted Cruz. It's just that Ted Cruz will turn on you. If the New York times says to, because that's apparently who he listens to or CNN or MSNBC. Pretty much. Yeah. 
because they keep repeating the same dumb shit things that are said on news organ by news organizations who hate them and hate you. Yes. Now I don't understand why they do that. It is potential. Potentially they are getting extremely bad advice from all of their aides and all of these people they've surrounded themselves with, or possibly their donors are leaning on them to support things that the rest of us feel are a terrible idea. But I'm not sure why they're doing it. But the fact of the matter remains, it doesn't matter why these Republicans are allowing the Democrats to run roughshod over the Constitution. The fact of the matter is that they are. And that means they should not get any more of our support. They should not get reelected. I would, If I'm going to have someone that runs roughshod over the Constitution and allows the Democrats to win either way in an election, then why bother even voting? If it's going to be a Democrat that does it or a Republican that allows the Democrats to do it, the end result is still, I don't get back the country that I want. Yeah. Well, and, and so that's why I hope things accelerate, because the only way through this is if things accelerate to the point where it is now, where it becomes more dangerous to allow the, the Democrats and the left to keep achieving victories than it is to oppose them. I thought we were already there, but I obviously am wrong that it is still not yet dangerous enough to allow the enemy to keep advancing than it is to dig in your heels and oppose them. And only when that happens will we see an actual actual opposition party form. We need people with money to be terrified. We need people with political power to be terrified. And when they are all more scared of Democrats than they are of bad media coverage— then we might actually get a coalescing movement on the right that opposes these things with a serious set of teeth. A lot of people talk about trying to do it as a grassroots movement, and I think that is commendable, and I think that's a good way to start. But we need people. But you need people with money and power to assign on to your movement because they feel threatened by the way things are going. And until that happens, it's only going to be you know, you standing up at your local school board meeting with a bunch of other upset parents and demanding CRT be off the curriculum, that is a stopgap measure. That is a slowdown of the cultural decline. But essentially all that does is you're is it, it it's just a, a it's just a pillbox. It's a bunker. It's you fortifying yourself. But then the problem is even if you're successful at that, they will then redirect their efforts and find a way to bypass you. It's not an actual offensive that pushes them back, and that is what we're, we need. Now, maybe we need across the country a grassroots movement of people to dig in their heels and oppose all of this at the local level, and maybe that's how it has to start. But at the end of the day, it needs to – the goal has to be that, that whatever we do has to have the end goal of being an offensive push to take, to take things back, to take – whatever, to land back, to take the cultural space back, to take back control of our communities and our country. Well, and, you know, to to that point, and, and maybe I'll, I'll, I'll say this much. I have not read the bill, but I don't think that there's a lot there that I could get too excited over. Why did 135 Republicans in the House of Representatives vote for red flag confiscation laws. Because it was a defense authorization act. 
It's it's in the Defense Authorization Act. Yeah, in the 2022 National Defense Authorization Act contained HR 4350, and it passed the House Republican support. Uh, the uh, this is from Breitbart News. The in the National Defense Authorization Act contains a provision authorizing military courts to issue orders restraining military personnel from possessing, receiving, or otherwise accessing a firearm. The authority, it's basically, the section is titled The Authority of Military Judges and Military Magistrates to Issue Court Order Protective Orders. So essentially what this bill, what this does is it legally allows essentially red flag laws for military members. So if you're a military member that, say, doesn't want to get the forced vaccine, you can have your firearms taken away. If you're a military member that, say, doesn't want to open fire on civilians, you can have your guns taken I'm. I feel like we may have just lost Alan again, but I'm confused by that statement purely because, um, purely because you can kind of already do that. You can use like health and welfare as a reason to restrict firearms. Now it gets a little nuanced when you want to talk about things like, um, going into, uh, like if they live on post or if they live in the barracks, there's, there are nuances there. I just, for the, obviously the purpose here is the Republicans voted for it because if they voted against it, then the Democrats would say that they hate military personnel. And that's so dumb. And I, I just, I hate, I hate everything about it because, and and that's exactly it. And at a certain point, I just think that the, the GOP needs to get over. They, they were worried about what the left would say. That's it. A hundred percent. They were worried about what the left would say. And so they voted for it. Now what they, by Allen's statement, they voted for the, National Defense Authorization Act. That's what they voted for. But that's the reality of it there is you have a Democrat administration, you have a Democrat Senate, you have a Democrat House. You knew that they were going to put poison pills in there. Is there a single Republican right now who would suddenly vote for a Democrat because the GOP turned around and said, I don't think that we should be allowing just the random seizure of weapons and firearms. I don't think that this even belongs in, you know, this. Now, if if it is just the National Defense Authorization Act, I do think that it's a little um, wrong, I guess, to phrase it as if you The regular people are going to have their weapons taken away, but maybe there's more provisions in there that I'm unaware of because the National Defense Authorization Act is used for a lot of crazy stuff, especially when you start using the words like national security. But I guess that's the question is, who is it for? Because who's going to be hurt by this? 
They, or who's who's not going to vote for it? And one of the biggest problems that we have in D.C. right now is all of these consultants convince all of these Republicans that you have to worry about the 3% of independents out there. That's really who's going to win you the election. Don't worry. Your base is going to vote for you. So just give away whatever you can to get those independents to support you. And it doesn't matter if it costs your base. It doesn't matter if it hurts your base. Because that's the 3% that matters. And that 3% isn't you. But it needs to be you. And that's what we really need. I don't think that independence really exists anymore in 2021 in political America. I don't think you can be an independent in the United States any longer. Things are too politicized right now. But certainly, I would like to see the fear of God stricken into these representatives where they do worry about the majority of people and not the you know three percent that is the independence or the three percent that's their donors but that's going to be it for this week thanks for joining us be sure to tune in next sunday live at noon eastern and always go to subscribestar.com forward slash wrong think radio for 2.99 a month and help sponsor this program i'm aaron from the east coast and this is wrong think radio